in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Destin Melbarnes, Lizzie Haynes, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights to the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Russell Guest, and joining me today are my good friends, all of my good friends. All, all of the each. Every last one of them. All of my good friends. Yes. Russell has four friends. That's it. Yes, the whole four of them. That's what my Facebook profile says. It says four friends, and then it makes a sad trumpet sound. We're like his Fab Five. You have to work to get into this. this Except niche. that there are four of us. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he's uh, he's the Monty Python sketch. Five, three, sir. So joining me today from the Lilac City in Spokane, Washington, Mr. Brian Fry. How you doing, sir? Good evening, all. I hope all are well. And from the Steel City in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mr. Chad Robinson. How you doing, sir? I'm excited. I've missed one of these, so it's fun to have the entire gang here. And from the Derby City in Louisville, we have Ms. Lizzie Haynes. How are you doing? Yes. So excited to be here. Excited to talk movies with everybody. And from deep in the heart of Texas, we've got Mr. Dustin Melbardis. How are you doing, sir? One, two, five. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into this we're gonna hop in our time machines and we're going to go back to the year 2013 so chad take us back a decade and give us the news and history from yesteryear all right i've got everybody's favorite topic of politics so in politics landmark five to four decision the supreme court strikes down section three of the defense of marriage act as unconstitutional decision states that the federal government cannot discriminate against married lesbian and gay couples for the purposes of determining federal benefits. This paves the way for the 2015 decision that all states must recognize same-sex marriages. The Affordable Care Act, also known more commonly as Obamacare, shows up. Despite a rocky start, a Congress stumbles into the first federal government shutdown since the mid-1990s. We'd be stupid to let that happen again, right? Right. Whistleblower Ed Snowden leaks hundreds of thousands of documents to reporters from the NSA. Sadly, we have three people who were killed and hundreds injured after multiple bombs exploded during the Boston Marathon. Kind of funny, the city of Detroit files for bankruptcy, becoming the largest city in the U.S. history to do so. And we have the trial of George Zimmerman for the killing of an unarmed Trayvon Martin this takes place. Zimmerman is found not guilty of second-degree murder after jurors deliberated for more than 16 hours. Wow, that felt great. Thanks for that wonderful news, Chad. That was Yeah, that thank was... you for giving me that. It's like... 2013 sucked. Right. Yeah. Hey, Chad, we're going to start the show. Can you ruin it for us with, yeah. uh, with terrorism acts and unarmed shootings? And yeah. 
I feel I like do. we talked about this last year and probably the year before that too. Let's let's put some positivity into our uh, our, our recaps. There's got to be something good that happened in 2013. There is something good that happened, and I'm going to turn to Lizzie for the real important news for the good stuff that happened. Lizzie, hit us with a pop culture from 2013. So much happened in 2013. For anybody who cares, I got married in 2013. Great year for us, right? Also, selfie, which is still a word. I mean, everybody still talks about it. We've got that great, who was the DJ that did it? That did, let me take a selfie, that then came around later. And then we don't have TikTok yet, but Instagram is gaining popularity. And I got to say, out of like Vine and all those other apps, Instagram stayed, which I'm personally pleased with. We've got Beyonce. She headlined the Super Bowl that year and made everybody's dreams come true, including yours truly when she reunited Destiny's Child on stage. I'll never forget when they popped up. Then we've got shows. So Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, Drag, RuPaul's Drag Race, Orange is the New Black, all huge shows to come on that year. Justin Timberlake. I guess in quotations, finally reunited with NSYNC at the MTV Music Awards because in all honesty, he's been teasing that. He's still teasing that to this day. It was for like three seconds and all NSYNC fans were just mad. (laughs) (laughs) My husband and I still laugh about when JC was like, baby, baby, baby on stage and uh, just didn't want to get off. Now, Miley Cyrus and Robin Thicke did their infamous twerking on stage to two songs that we'll talk to I'll talk about in a little bit, but that was the twerk that rocked the world, broke the internet. Yeah, I don't have much to say other than that my jaw was on the floor just like everybody else's. And we've got J.J. Abrams. Uh, Disney announced that he would be directing the new upcoming Star Wars movies, which I think we are all really excited about having more Star Wars. We did have some unfortunate celebrity deaths. We had Paul Walker. James Gandolfini, Peter O'Toole, James Avery. Hopefully that was all. But let's move into music. Let's liven it up with some good beats. Let's actually, we're going to start with a downer because we've got Robin Thicke. (laughs) (laughs) You came out with blurred lines and nobody's happy about that. And if you are, then maybe look inward. Um, (laughs) That's right. Um, But we did have some really amazing songs that year. Some Bruno Mars, Locked Out of Heaven, and When I Was Your Man, Miley Cyrus with the twerk heard around the world with Wrecking Ball and We Can't Stop. We had Lords Royals, which I know is Chad's favorite song. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Russell would torment me. He's like, how about this? I said, this is not better. Technically, Tennis Course was the song that Chad said, uh, to the hardest. Yes, I'm done. She can't can't sing. And then eventually everybody, the song that would not exit everybody's heads was Anna Kendrick's Cups from Pitch Perfect. That was cool for about five minutes. And then, I mean, it was just, wow. She did end up apologizing for it. She did, right? It was just so bad. Uh, And then in rock, we've got Imagine Dragons breaks through with Radioactive. And Mumford and Sons, I Will Wait, Stubborn Love of Monsters and Men, Little Talks, Monster Sounds, Fall Out Boy, personal favorite of mine, My Songs, What You Did in the Dark, Cage, The Elephant, Come a Little Closer. We've got Five Finger Death Punch, Hail to the King, and Hailstorm, Freak Like Me. So I don't know about you guys, but I think it was a good year in music. What do you think? I think it was a good year in music, and I think Chad doesn't think so. I am so angry with this list he until the it. very end. Minus that 12 weeks of Robin Thicke being number one. Hailstorm's Hale awesome, so that's great. But I, I was miserable. I hate the folk rock, so I was having a bad time between 
uh, Mumford and Sons. I am not a Lumineers fan. Yeah, I, the I, Lord being popular, I couldn't escape. But you know who enjoyed <laughs> all of that stuff? Brian. Yes. Brian, you're also a sports guy. Why don't you help us out here and give us a recap of the world of sports from 2013? I do indeed. Yeah, I didn't have nearly as much trouble with that year as uh, as Chad did. I'm happy for you. Yeah. Andy Murray became the first male British-born tennis player to win Wimbledon since Fred Perry in 1936. Lance Armstrong made uh, the dishonor role when he got caught for doping, just like everybody else. Baltimore Ravens won the Super Bowl over San Francisco 49ers. Miami yeah. Heat won the NBA Finals over the Spurs. Ooh. Boston Red Sox won the World Series over the Cards. And the uh, Chicago Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup over the Boston Bruins. Before we go into our top for 2013 picks, we wanted to give a little context on the movies that were big in 2013. Lizzie, take it. Yes. So this was a hodgepodge for movies. I don't know if you all agree or not, but looking at this list, there's a little something for everybody. We've got coming in at number one, The Hunger Games Catching Fire. That was number one that year. Iron Man 3, Frozen, Despicable Me 2, Man of Steel, which I don't know about you guys, but kind of was a gigantic disappointment. But, you know, that's that's for another podcast. He's Um, pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Gravity, Monsters University, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog. Fast and Furious 6, Oz, The Great and Powerful. And then leading up to top 20, we've got Star Trek Into uh, Into the Darkness, Thor, The Dark World, World War Z, one of my husband's favorites, The Croods, The Heat, We Are the Millers, American Hustle, The Great Gatsby, The Conjuring, and finally coming in at number 20 for that year was Identity Thief. Lots of good movies. And like I said, there's a little something in there for everybody. But let's talk about what actually won the awards, not just what and brought in the cash. The Oscars in 2014, which announced the winners of the movies that were largely released in 2013. Here are the best picture nominee movies that came out that year. The Wolf on Wall Street, Philomena, Nebraska, Gravity, Dallas Buyers Club, Captain Phillips, American Hustle, and the winner of the pack that year was 12 Years a Slave. By the way, real quick, I've seen eight of nine of these movies. How many did each of you see? Lizzie? I saw them all, actually. Looking nice. at Which is incredibly rare for me. I normally do not see the entire Oscar, Oscars lineup, but this was somewhat decent, I gotta say. Most of the time, of movies that I haven't heard of, and so it was kind of cool. And Fry, what about you? How many did you see? I saw four of them. Chad, how many of these Best Picture nominees did you see? I feel like the count. One. One. <laughs> very on brand for you. Yes. Was it, very, very, it was uh, not. Oh. It was. Chad, uh, you need to see Gravity. I should. Probably, sure. Dustin, how many movies did you see from the 2013 Best Picture class? I was going back through this year and I said, whoa, I've seen like half of these. That's huge for me. I'm normally closer to Chad's like, yeah, I saw one of these. But I saw several. This was uh, odd for, for me. Yeah, I have to admit, I talk a lot of smack on the Academy, mainly because it's a bunch of stuff that I don't want to watch. Okay, well, as far as the Oscars go, the best director went to Alfonso Curion for Gravity. Best actor goes to Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club. Best actress goes to Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine. Best supporting actor goes to Jared Leto for Dallas Buyers Club. Ooh. 
<laughs> I wrote in my notes to pause for Brian's dismay. Brian Boo. still does not like Jared. Boo. Like... Yes, Stone. I'm right behind him there. Well, you can boo him again because he won the Golden Globe for Best Actor. Why? Very, very weird. This boo this man. When we were young. 30 Seconds to Mars, his band played, and he was as strange as you could imagine. <laughs> Best Supporting Actress goes to Lupita Nyong'o for 12 Years a Slave. All of these were also the Golden Globe winners, except for the Golden Globe winner for Best Supporting Actress went to Jennifer Lawrence for American Hustle. Best Original Screenplay goes to her. Best Adapted Screenplay goes to 12 Years a Slave. Best Animated Feature goes to Frozen. Best Cinematography, Score, Mixing, Sound Editing, Film Editing, Visual Effects, Makeup and Hair, Costume Design, and Gravity Takes Home Best Cinematography, Best Score, Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing, Best Film Editing, Best Visual Effects. Dallas Buyers Club gets the Best Makeup and Hair. Best Costume Design goes to The Great Gatsby, and the Best Production Design goes to The Great Gatsby, and the Best Song goes to Let It Go from Frozen. At the Golden Globes, Best Musical or Comedy goes to American Hustle. Best Musical or Comedy Actor goes to Leonardo DiCaprio for Wolf on Wall Street. Best Musical or Comedy Actress goes to Amy Adams for American Hustle, if you call those comedies. So in summary, the Oscar count here is 7 for Gravity out of 10 nominations. 12 Years a Slave gets 9 nominations. It only wins 3, but it does take home the big one for Best Picture. Dallas Buyers Club wins 3 out of 6 nominations. The Great Gatsby has two Oscars. I don't know that it needs two. And Frozen wins two as well. So how does everybody feel about that? Frozen's a good movie. I Look, I've got kids. I've sat through it a thousand times. I'm tired of it just like everybody else is. But it was, it was a legitimately solid, good Disney movie. I forgot Gravity got that much hardware, by the way. Dude, Gravity was awesome. That was a great movie. Yeah. I think Frozen's overrated. Like, I... I, I I get it, but it's it's very like, clear like Elsa it. was meant to be the villain, and we just changed it because the song was awesome. Like it's it's very obvious. How does Sarah feel about you not liking Frozen? It's not that I don't like it; it's just overrated. It's it's fine. I I even enjoyed Frozen too. Oh, Frozen too! I was it. one of those movies I, where I can say it. Better. Yeah, I can say it out loud. I enjoyed Frozen too. Lizzie, did you watch the Frozen short where she gets sick? for uh Aunt Anna's birthday there are like tons like dozens of like little Olaf's or yeah yeah little, the little, yes, she yes. sneezes and makes a little snowman yeah. I even like that I, I think that it's was really so funny it's so clever yeah. my kids don't like Frozen which breaks my heart it's like Wilder went through a little phase and now he's like Minecraft and like meh and like so he's just like all boy and like doesn't really he doesn't wants nothing to do with Disney princesses and my younger ones are just they don't like they don't care yet we took Avon to see uh Disney on Ice last weekend and oh, yeah. the whole Disney on Ice the whole movie of Frozen and I was like you know they that's it's impressive it is so good it's so good and her face like her face watching it was worth. Yeah. I don't. I don't even. I don't even know what we paid for it. It was worth it. You can tell. We've, it gone, tw- we've gone twice. The answer is too much. But uh, yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's, I, I'm telling you, like at the edge of her seat in her little Elsa dress, just. Yeah, Moana was the big ticket for us. It was great. Okay, disclaimer time. So we're about to get into the movies that we are counting down here. But what is a movie? That you didn't see from 2013, but you wish you had, Dustin. 
The one that stands out is Blue Jasmine, and it's not because I knew that it won any awards. It's because I, I think it was an opportunity to see Kate Blanchett do something almost normal. And that's where I was like, huh, interesting. And I didn't have enough time to, like, preparing for this show to squeeze that one in. But I think I, I'd, I'd like to be able to check that one out one of these days. Mm. Lizzie, what was your biggest miss of 2013? Kill Your Darlings. That was a movie that I really, really wanted to check out. I love Daniel Radcliffe, big Harry Potter fan, and Michael C. Hall, and Ben Foster as well. So I feel like it, it seems like a psychological thriller that I would really, really enjoy. But Dustin said it perfectly once in a previous episode that if he doesn't catch it when it's popular, that it just yep. kind of fades into the background. And that's exactly what happened for me it's gone. for this movie. Chad, what's your biggest disclaimer that you didn't get to, but you wish you had? Besides those nine Oscar nominated for the category of Best Picture. I do not lament or regret not seeing any of those. Uh, my wife watched Wolf of Wall Street. I walked in on a specific scene that with Margot Robbie. That's burned in my head. But uh, yeah. She's pretty. She is very pretty. I'm I'm just going to go with, I didn't see the movie Coherence until many years later. I wish I had gotten to it in 2013. It's a movie I revisit at least once a year, and I, I'm considering it as a dealer's choice later on. Oh, I meant like, what did you see that you wish you had seen? I know, I know what you meant, but I don't want to be the guy saying, <laughs> I, I saw everything I meant to see, and I have no interest in <laughs> he's just gonna make, precisely when he means to right he's gonna make me be that guy so i'll be that guy. i saw everything i meant to russell okay you heard it here first chad wishes you'd seen gravity fry what's the movie you wish you had seen in 2013 that you didn't get to there there are worse things on that list so sure my no i i have five that i should have seen but uh, my number one is enemy it's the only denny villeneuve movie i haven't seen i still haven't seen it it's kind of turned into like a great white Buffalo or for some reason, something always uh, what's the, the unicorn or, or from gone in 60 seconds. Like it, it just, no matter how much I try to watch it, it just never ends up happening. So that's my number one enemy by uh, Denny Villeneuve. I wish I had seen 42, the Jackie Robinson movie. Also, I wish I could have seen mud and probably prisoners is one of the ones that I wish I had seen the most. And Hey, they're not all winners. What is your worst movie of 2013? Dustin. Uh, I'd actually mentioned this on the show before. The worst movie from 2013 is The Internship with uh, Big Spawn. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, uh, there's, there, there's some good. Oh, agreed with that. that. Yeah, they, they go to work for Google. Uh, it is, it's one of the few movies I've ever shut off. I said, no, I will not watch any more of this. Done. <laughs> there, there, it has its moments. Chad, what was your worst movie of 2013? I watched a movie called Deadly Weekend. So I, I really like Sarah Jean Underwood when, from her G4 days. And I figured, okay, she's got a feature-length film. I'll check it out. I see how she does as an actress. The answer is not well. Really, really, really not well. Oh, no. And I like slashers. I have a high tolerance for B-movie. This is not B. This is... Sarah's pretty, and that's about all I can say for it. All right, all right. Lizzie, what is your biggest miss from 2013? 
probably categorized as B-movie horror as well. It's called – it's a sequel to the previous movie, Haunting in Connecticut. And this is Haunting in Connecticut 2, yes. colon, Ghosts in Georgia. And honestly, that title alone <laughs> – Hold on, what? Yes, exactly. I, <laughs> they georgia your Connecticut. Yes. Like, just call it Ghosts in Georgia. Like, why do you – I understand that you wanting to connect it with Haunting in Connecticut, but then you shouldn't make another movie about Connecticut. Like, it's just the whole – the laziness of it angers me to no degree. And I'm a big, big One Tree Hill fan. That's like a huge guilty pleasure. Chad Michael Murray is in this movie. And I was like, well, maybe this will be my saving grace. Nope. The movie is – just like trash it's just but honestly like it just made me so mad i could go on forever about how just bad form you know do better <laughs> nobody in history has ever said you know what if you enjoyed connecticut you're really gonna like georgia georgia consider connecticut too yeah right there's not a haunting in connecticut too that takes place in connecticut it's just like the haunting in connecticut too ghosts in georgia it's like, I kind of think if Virginia is one thing, then like West Virginia would be Virginia too. Mm, the better Virginia. <laughs> Best Virginia is more like Best it. Virginia. Right. <laughs> yes. Or like maybe like a Southern story mixed with another Southern story. Best like Virginia, there's just like yeah. zero time. And there's never any mention, by the way, of any. <laughs> Thing whatsoever that ever happened in the yep. haunting Connecticut. It's just so confusing to my brain. And it didn't it, need to be a cinematic universe. Yeah. No, it's. Yeah. Brian, what is your worst movie from 2013? There are probably five or six movies that uh, could contend given my mood, but right now I really want to trash After Earth. Oh, yeah. That it. movie was so bad. James Smith. Oh, it was so bad. It deserves it. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's more, but yeah. I watched it, but I can think of worse. Uh, we should have banned Will Smith from Hollywood for that and saved ourselves. <laughs> there, wouldn't have been a sm- there wouldn't have been a smack if we had that done it. Rock would be like after it. I watched it as well, but I don't think I can book it as the worst. And, he- and hey, in a year in which there was the Lone Ranger. It's on the list. <laughs> it's hard to do worse than that. But for me, it's Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Oh, how dare you? Oh, my God. It- it's the it worst is- thing. It's just awful. I hated it. How dare it's you? Awesome. It is it's, also on the list. Is that's stupid fun? Like, yeah, I agree. Stupid fun is the perfect way to describe that movie. That is my wheelhouse. I I, I had six on my list. It was Hansel and Gretel, Odd Thomas, R.I.P.D. Oh yes, Lone Ranger, <laughs> After Earth, and Good Day to Die Hard. I, like I said, just to be, it depends on when you when you're talking to me. Any of those would be fine for my worst of the year. All right, so now we're ready to do the main event. The top 10 movies from 10 years ago. We're going to go around. If you have it on your list higher, then just shout out, wait for it, and we'll get to it when we get to the highest person who counted it on their countdown. So, Dustin, can you give us the honor of starting us off here? Which movie is your number 10 movie from 2013? I'd be happy to start us off. Number 10 from 2013 is Now You See Me. I had it at 10. You had it at 10. And Chad, did you have it in because you, you felt like it deserved on the list, but definitely last on your list? Like yes it, it needed to be included but it definitely wasn't beating anything else uh, I, I i all i'll really say about it is i i do like magic in movies i like magic in real life i like magic across the board and I, there's something to be said about like we've got woody harrelson we've got uh jesse eisenberg uh we, we've got uh many many people that all michael kane right isla fisher mark ruffalo 
you kind of want to dislike them a bit, but the team works. So th- there's something about like, I, I, it's almost like I wasn't rooting for them, but uh, I've, I've watched it like two or three times. I enjoy it. I, uh, it's, it's number one on my honorable mention list. So it's, it's literally in my 11th place. So I'm with you guys. I think there's a Franco in there. Mine too. Yeah. 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 Franco's little brother. Chad, you had this one at 10, right? Yeah. Great date night movie, fond memories, watching it with my wife. It's funny. It's, I'm with Dustin. Magic in all forms, even when it's gathered, is uh, <laughs> it's good stuff for me. So I like it in cinematic universe. I saw this one as well. I enjoyed it. I can't say that I enjoyed it as much as you all did, but I won't fault you for including it on your list, though. Isla Fisher. <laughs> yeah, that, that alone usually makes Russell's list. She's done other, some terrible ones, and your tolerance is higher. I do like her. <laughs> she, she's the other Amy Adams. Yes. I, I get her and Amy Adams mixed up all the time. Oh, they are not the same. They're not from the same continent. It's Amy Adams in I, Connecticut, too, George. I, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I, I screw them up all the time. So oh. I, I, I actually made a point not to say Amy Adams when we were talking about the cast this movie <laughs> because I was like, I guarantee you I'm wrong about it. I was like, I know I'm wrong. It's going to be the other one. Brian, what is your number 10 movie from 2013? This is the end. All right, hold on to that one. A rare comedy for me. Uh, hold on. Oh, man. Yep, hold, hold on. on to that one. Lizzie, number 10 for you. Frozen. Hold I on also on had you. Frozen as my number 10, but we will both be waiting for Chad. Okay, yeah, sounds great. Oh, oh no. Like it more no, than you let on Chad. I had it as an honorable mention, so I... Oh. I, too, had it as an honorable mention. Oh, you did, yeah. It's just the best. I mean, we've already touched on it, uh, talking about pop culture and whatnot, but I love it so much. I love that this was the first Disney movie, I feel like, where the focus wasn't so much on finding love. It almost, if anything, they like, poked fun at it, and of course they do, but I love the like the sister bond. I don't remember a movie before that where it really just focused on the love between family, and I thought that was so sweet. And Mulan, love of country. I mean, that's very fair. Oh, I have mind. never seen Frozen. Oh, it's so Ooh. good. It's really, really sweet. I mean, it is good. It does live up to the hype of every trick-or-treater girl under the age of 12 coming up your doorstep dressed as Elsa. This thing went viral. We all know that. I mean, Olaf is awesome. I love him. He's a lot of fun. Music's good. The only thing that kept me from going higher with this one is I wanted more of that great music. Music's yes. great. But if you look at Beauty and the Beast, Lad, Lion King, it had a higher music to dialogue quotient that was just a yes. lot more music. There's a lot more music in those, and this one doesn't lean into it deeply enough for the music for me. If it did, it'd be even higher for me on this list. I'm quite certain of that. I'm just frustrated with Arendelle letting Elsa off the hook. Like She causes eternal winter, nearly kills half the village, and everyone's just cool with it in the end. They're like, yeah, this is our queen now. That's no reason to go rogue and freeze the entire world. She is the villain. I'm Team Elsa. I freeze that world, girl. Oh, I love Anna. I think Anna is so sweet. She's to me. Everybody dresses up like her, but if I was a little girl, I'd be like, put me in the braids. They're they're the best. Yeah, I'm Team Anna as well. Well, let's start the number nine round here, Dustin. World War Z. I'm a fan of the book. I'm a fan of both. I've read it and watched it. I like them both, but it didn't make my list. Uh, I, I think Brad Pitt rarely misses. 
Uh, I, I really liked the pacing of this as well. I think the surprise as to uh, the sheer numbers that we're dealing with in this movie are a lot of fun. And I think the standout scene for me is like a, it's like a plane crash or something like that. But there are certain um, just scenes that will stand out more so than the entirety of the movie. And I just remember thinking like, wow, this was a, a great theater experience. The entire sequence in Jerusalem is one of my favorite yeah. movie moments uh, of action. I, I, I had, wow. Chad, this seems like a you movie. No, no, I'm, I'm a huge Max Brooks fan. Love the books. Uh, Max does a couple of them. There's a zombie survival guide as well. This did not connect with me. I think I was too latched on to the tone of the book, and that is not the tone of the movie at all. Okay, you fell in love with the book and you couldn't reconcile the movie. Sucks when that happens. I'll give you a pass on that. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I get it. Lizzie, you said Aaron liked this one. Do you like it? No, my husband loves that movie. And like he, that's like something he teases me about is that I don't, I haven't seen it. Zombies don't tickle my fancy, I guess is the best way to put it. I, but I am huge Brad Pitt fan. And I am sure that if I actually sat down and took the time to watch it, that I would really appreciate it. I've got some zombie movies to fix that. I can fix it. Okay. Ooh, you've hit Chad's sweet spot. If they're, as long as they're not like Evil Dead, because that is just not my genre. I the, just well, those are deadites. They're different than zombies, but sure. That's fair. That's fair. They're just. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, what is your number nine movie? Despicable Me Two. Ah, uh, that one's in my honorable mentions. Good one. I don't think it's as good as the first one, and I understand it's kind of become a meme with the minions and that. That makes everyone cringe a little bit, but I'm a huge fan of Steve Carell's Gru. I like a movie centered around a bad guy kind of working with the League of Anti-Heroes. It's just a fun movie. The minions are fun. They get a bit overdone, but Gru himself is a character and the weird little dog that bites everyone. And even the little girls. This is a rare statement for me. I enjoy the three little girls. It helps if they're animated for Chad. It does, and played by adults. (laughs) All right, Lizzie, what was your number nine movie from 2013? Side Effects. I think it was a Steven Soderbergh movie. Dustin, are you saying wait? No, I'm saying never even heard of it. Oh my gosh, you got to check it out. It's a good movie. I feel like that was kind of a sleeper hit where it didn't get a lot of the buzz and the press that I think it deserved, but it has Rooney Mara, Channing Tatum, Jude Law, Catherine Zeta-Jones, who like kind of popped out of retirement almost for it but it is such a good movie Rooney Mara and Channing Tatum they're a newlywed married couple one percenters then they both have these really entanglements to use a Will Smith word with their therapists (laughs) who uh, are played by Jude Law and Catherine Zeta-Jones they are able to prescribe them all different kinds of medicines to help their ailments and there's just all kinds of amazing it's one of those, it feels very 90s, which I think will probably attract Brian to it. And the fact that you think, <laughs> that, like, you, think you have these characters clocked and then you just you don't. And it is, it's really, really good. I'm interested. I'll have to check that out. Brian, what's your number nine movie? Pacific Rim. Hold on, please. My number nine movie is The Book Thief. Does anyone have this one? Mm-mm, Never heard no. of it. Read the book. And I can always count on you for having read the book, Brian, but. As far as the movie goes, it's very good, too. It's a World War II movie. It's about a young girl who loses her brother, and her mother cannot care for her. She doesn't have a father, so she's taken in by foster parents, uh, played by Jeffrey Rush and Emily Watson. Watson's like a really stern mom, but Jeffrey Rush's character is so warm. 
an amazing performance by him. Very different from his Barbosa portrayal in Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, this is a very different Jeffrey Rush. Um, but anyway, the main character can't read, so Jeffrey Rush's character teaches his adopted daughter how to read, love of books. She lands a job for a mayor, like a wealthy mayor in town, and he's a Nazi figure in the party as well. And so they end up taking an adult man as they do this, and she steals books to read from there. And again, they're harboring a Jewish man in town, and the Jewish man loves reading as well. So the bond that she has between her father, her adopted father, and this, plus the bond that she has with this young man, it's a, it's a really touching movie. It's a powerful movie. I think I like stories about people during war more than I like movies about the battles of the war itself. And it's just a very emotional, hopeful, inspiring movie. Plus, it's got a John Wayne score to go with it. I would really recommend this movie just about it. It's a good one. And I'm sure the book's good, too. You know, I, I do a lot of you know sci-fi fantasy, crime noir, mystery, that sort of thing. When people come into the store and they ask me, you know, what's what's a, a young adult book that I absolutely have to read? The Book Thief is probably in my top three that I would point them toward. Uh, the book is amazing. Mark Zusak is an excellent writer. And, you know, if you've seen the movie and you liked it, I highly recommend reading the book. All right, we're off to the number eight round now. Dustin, kick us off. Uh, my number eight is The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog. And I wondered if I would be the only person with this on the list. You are. It's in my honorable mentions, though. Stephen Colbert's in it, so that's something. We watched the 2012 movie last year for the show, and I was reminded these are a world I love. This is a theme I love, high fantasy, whether you're a Tolkien guy or not, uh, that none of the stuff has to make that much sense, or it's gratuitous in its own way. I think there's a, there's a line out there like it insists upon itself like there's so <laughs> there's so much of it though and yes. and once once you get into that feel I could listen to a record of songs from the 70s about this world and so if I get something bright shiny and new that's revisiting this I'm into it and I I probably said as I walked out of the theater ah it was okay but when I get a chance to revisit, I'm like, this is pretty great. It's, it's very fun. It's the best of the new Hobbit trilogy to me. At least it's my favorite anyway. As a Tolkien fan, like, I'm not going to poo-poo on this movie. It's, it's not bad by any means. But it, it kind of became one of those things like, I'll watch it if it's on. I rarely reach for it. Really, the whole Hobbit trilogy is something I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it if it's convenient. I don't know. It just uh, the, the Hobbit movies really didn't wow me the way that the uh lord of the rings trilogy did that's fair i agree with that and that it's true and it's both fair and unfair because of how good those the first peter jackson trilogy was you almost can't compare it back i i want to say there's like three or four things that take me out of it it's the cgi legolas Mm -hmm. or his or his presence at all it's uh, yeah i it just there's there's some i didn't even not really mind her evangeline lily being in it i it's just there's just a couple things that i'm like eh. i i got no hate please let it be known that, that i've got no disrespect for it it's just you know it wasn't something I, I i'm like holding up as a flag of this is a statement you know chad what is your number eight movie carrie 
a good one. Oh yeah, the remake of Carrie with Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah. Funny story, I saw this one, and this is when I was thinking I needed to rewatch for my 2013 movies to cram. And in about 20 to 30 minutes into it, I said, ah, I've seen this one before. I watched it again anyway, but I had totally forgotten I had seen it, and I needed to rewatch it. Chad, this one stuck out more for you than it did for me. I actually forgot that I saw it, but uh, did you enjoy this one better than the original version? No, no. I mean, this, the 70s version is untouchable. And this is a movie that I held off seeing for a long time for that exact reason. Like, why mess with Sissy Spacek's performance? She is incredible. But you know what? After watching this, Chloe is a great uh, scream queen. She's, she's great in everything that she does. And this was an interesting, if unneeded, version. And I didn't hate it. I felt the same way with uh, Suspiria. I'm not a fan of Suspiria, either version really, but she does a good job. And the the remake of Suspiria, it's missing Goblin, the Goblin soundtrack, but uh, it's interesting. So yeah, I I enjoyed it. If I'm watching Carrie, I'm still going back to the 70s. But as far as 2013 movies go, I got to give this one a shout out. Although Dustin was shaking his head. Dustin, you may disapprove. No, all I was doing was saying like, uh, no, I haven't seen it. That, that's okay. what I'm doing is I'm unfamiliar with so many. But I did want to just really quickly jump in with, has Chloe Grace Moretz's star began to fizzle a bit? Because I yeah. feel like I haven't seen or I noticed. So. I think she took a self-conscious step back. I think she's kind of stepping okay. away from the industry and choosing her projects in such a way now. There, there was some kind of plain movie with like gremlins in it that I think she was in that looked absolutely awful. But I didn't know if if we were just done with her because I thought 2013 would would have been like with Carrie and with Kickass too. Like I thought we would have really been on a rocket with her, and I, I feel like that hasn't made it to the 2020s. Mm-hmm. Well, I see where he's coming from. Lizzie, did you do this one? You like your horror flicks? I I actually really liked this one. I think I'm pretty sure Julian Moore does plays the role of Carrie's mom. I'm mm-hmm. almost positive. I think she does a remarkable job. Because to me, I mean, Carrie is obviously the quote unquote villain, if you will, in the eyes of someone who isn't super familiar with the story. But I mean, really, I kind of feel like the mom is just as villainous in the way that she's, you know, she's taking her beliefs to a place that are really abusive and just very, very scary. And it is, uh, but I mean, it's very good. It's scary. I enjoy remakes that feel like a love letter to the original. They don't try to take new artistic liberties. They just and just kind of almost redo it for a newer, newer, younger audience. Brian, did you carry from twenty thirteen? Yes, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it didn't even it. It didn't make my honorable mentions, but because it was a movie I saw and enjoyed, uh, I didn't actually earmark it as something like really like glowing. But yeah, it's a very enjoyable movie. Well, my number eight movie was This Is the End. Not yet. Oh. Lizzie, what is your number eight? Okay, so my number eight is Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, wait. Brian, what is your number eight movie? My number eight movie is About Time. Wait for it. Number seven round, we're about to kick that off. Dustin. Monsters University. I've not seen this one. Who's cute? I think Monsters, Inc. was uh, an absolute triumph. And I missed Monsters University when it came out. 
and I had a little sister who was seven years old. It was perfect to go and watch it, and I missed it. We've talked about it. If you miss it, you miss it, and so I did. And so I rewatched it earlier this year, kind of in preparation for this show. And uh, it is uh, story-wise unrelated. It's a prequel. I believe the kind of cool trivia thing is it's the first Pixar prequel. And you have your Sully, and you have your Mike Wazowski, and you've got your Randall. And all the things we love our Pixar sequels for, we have them in this Pixar prequel. And they handled the university scene, the college kind of vibe of this made-up world uh, so accurately, so silly. It was so fun. I, I, could, I could see myself just having this on in the background while I'm doing chores around the house. Very fun. It's worth your time. I think it's one of the weaker Pixar entries, but I still love Mike and Sully. You get a good dosage of them. And Dustin's right. The college atmosphere, like they do manage to spin that in a fun way to make it relevant to the monster world. There's so many ways it could be presented poorly. Yes. Um, or, yes. Or, yeah. Monsters, Inc. would not exist without all real monsters. That's Aubrey true. Monsters, 100%. Yes. Oblina. Okay. I'm, I'm just glad we're on the same page. Because, yeah. Dude, I remember seeing Monsters, Inc. And I was just sitting there stewing like, monsters <laughs> i love monsters university i'm agree i'm a big mike and sully fan i also love steve buscemi's character randall the, yeah like randall the little snake guy and it was just really cool because you truly do fall in love with them in monsters inc and i love the idea of getting to see how they became friends and met and took things to yeah. the next level in their friendship it's very cool chad it's your turn number seven this is where I have This is the End. I had this one before, and my have this number eight. But why don't you tell us about this one first, Chad? I had it my number 10. I'm a big Jay Baruchel fan, so that was why I saw this movie. But honestly, the cameos make it. And yeah, yeah, 100%. Michael Sarah on cocaine is fantastic. I'm not a Michael Sarah fan. The, you want a sippy sip? The <laughs> possession of jonah hill when he's yelling the power of christ compels is it is it really and i don't find it all that compelling is the channing tatum channing tatum yes hey guys it's all just i i love a horror movie and i love a horror comedy and this is just all it's such a good time when i was in the theaters i about died and i'm saying that in complete earnest when the Backstreet Boys came on, like, yes. like I literally almost cried because they're all doing the like everybody dance when they get into heaven. And it was unbelievable. But really quickly pulling to Michael Sarah, I read in the IMDb trivia once that they approached Michael Sarah about being in that movie. And he said his only contingency was that he got to wear his own windbreaker in the movie. So like that, like silly 90s, <laughs> like ridiculous jacket that he's wearing is like his own jacket. I <laughs> just like really wanted to wear. And, I love uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> that movie is really funny. Brian, you had this one at your number 10? I randomly quote this movie a lot. Like, like I've lost my cell phone. Everybody turn out your pockets. It's like, oh, it's in my pocket. That's really embarrassing. <laughs> like, just, like it, it, Michael Sarah does do a lot in this movie for me, even though he's not in a, a large chunk of it. Franco's funny. Seth Rogen's funny. 
situational humor in this. It's really dark. So it's just my kind of thing. You're you're not going to hear me very often talk up comedies. I really enjoyed this one. I also really enjoyed this one. I love the self-awareness of the Hollywood as an industry that they're poking fun at. I love that they're playing themselves. I think that's a very fun idea. A lot of not a lot of movies have done that. It's not the first movie that did it, but they did it well. They did it this very exaggerated version of themselves. It was like a dislikable version of themselves. And the only thing that keeps this from going up higher for me, though, is that I don't think that they quite wrapped everything up perfectly in the end. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but it's an incredibly unique movie. There's nothing quite like it as far as the spoof. It's a spoof of the end of the world, post-apocalyptic sort of thing that's very trendy at the time. It's very meta, very creative. I loved it. I could do more things like this. I talked about like how Ryan Reynolds should have made Clue again, and you know we could do another murder mystery with these kinds of funny people. I would like to do other world-end situations or captive audience situations with just funny people playing themselves or exaggerated versions of themselves. Give me more of that. This is very funny, and we've come to love these actors and stuff like that that play these dislikable versions of themselves. It's a self-deprecating kind of poking fun at their image. It's very funny to see. All right. Lizzie, number seven. I put We're the Millers for this one. This... You wait. Okay, I will wait. I will wait. Honorable mention for me. Brian, number seven. Snowpiercer. Oh, that's right. That was this year, wasn't it? Yeah. That, that, that should have landed on my missed movies. Because I was, true. I was very interested in this. That's true. This movie is a fantastic science fiction dystopian like, they made a TV show out of it. It was so good. It was wildly under people's radar. I don't think I got a chance to see it in theaters. I think I, it, it made it to, to video before I got to see it. But Chris Evans was fantastic in it. Crazy cool idea. Highly recommend it. I enjoyed this class warfare, science fiction movie kind of effort this is a very brian fry movie i'm not surprised you're here you have it on here brian it's a dark futuristic kind of you movie yeah yeah it, it, it is a hundred percent a me movie and i ate it up lizzie did you see this one i've never seen it before. that's okay chad have you seen this one no no it is on my later on you asked movies i want to see it was on it was on that list got it all right my number seven to finish the round off is captain phillips I did not know that I wanted to see this movie, but it turns out I did want to see this movie. I just didn't really know what kind of movie I was getting in for. I knew it had Somali pirates in it. I knew it was nominated for Best Picture and Tom Hanks was in it. I'll be honest with you, the preview, I didn't get it. But boy, this movie was exciting. It's thrilling. It's one of those movies where once the plot kicks in, you feel like this is real tension. This is even something very realistic about it and its presentation. Even its finishing. There's this scene where he's in shock and he's very shaken there's something very real and dramatic about this that just a simple action movie doesn't have it is exciting but it's also most action movies just live in big explosion worlds where we're all having fun there's a big fun time that we're doing this is a serious movie and it's a real tragedy of a main character it's a real story this is a very different kind of pirate this is not the happy-go-lucky smelly jack sparrow pirate who's out of rum this is a scary kind of real world situation and they did they captured it so well here 
It's very good. My son asked me the other day, my seven-year-old, if pirates were real. And I was like, they are. One of these days we'll watch Captain Phillips when you're ready for it. <laughs> They're a whole lot less fun. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. Now. Anybody else see Captain Phillips? All right. Then we'll start the number six round. Uh, Dustin is going back to his movies derived from plays on the stage with August Osage County. August Osage County is uh, starring Meryl Streep, Julia Roberts. Uh, We've got Chris Cooper in there. We've got Benedict Cumberbatch in there. We've got Dermot Mulroney in there. We've got Ewan McGregor in there. All of this happens in one house out in the Dust Bowl. Meryl Streep playing kind of the matriarch of the family after, and just to set the scene, after the patriarch of the family disappears. So everyone has to come back to this house. And the dialogue, the tension, the idea of family that doesn't live together anymore being forced into one house, one of those things that stands out incredibly in a stage show. I think two years ago is when I had uh, introduced Carnage to you guys. When it comes down to intimate, tough people being forced to interact with one another, we were very lucky to get all of like, this mismatch of great actors uh, really showing their chops. Uh, it is not a fun movie. There are some things that will uh, like really astound you about the performances or about the situation that you, you're taking aback, some hard curveballs, but it's, it really is something that when you're done watching, you almost felt like you were in a theater watching. watching this is a new brand for you, Dustin. Every year you're coming in with a, from the theatrical stage play performance that no one's ever heard of, and I'm intrigued once again. I looked down the top 200 of the box office and it wasn't on it. Yeah. So I occasionally, I, I look for things. I look for kung fu. I, I look for uh, certain types of genre to see, like, was there something that I would have been really excited about 10 years ago? And this wasn't something that I was excited about 10 years ago. It's something that I became excited about after doing the show with all you guys. Like, oh, this is something I like. And now that I know its background, I, I was able to appreciate it a lot. It's funny, like, I was not a Meryl Streep guy. Just like I wasn't a Julia Roberts guy, but I sure am now. It's a good movie. Oh, you've seen this one, Lizzie? I have. Yeah, I have. My husband and I watched it together. It's kind of like one of those, I, I, I might be getting this phrase wrong, but like a slice of life movie. Slice of life. I knew it. Yeah, I know, right? I, my dad says that all the time. So I, but, it's, but it does feel like that in the sense where you're just, you know, there's not any kind of big explosions or anything. It's, but you really are just watching these families' lives unfold. Like you're just a fly on the wall. And it's very cool. I also think it's worth noting that this is the location of the new movie Killers of the Flower Moon out now. Oh, wow. The, the, new, the new Scorsese? Uh, the new, yeah, Scorsese uh, DiCaprio movie. Uh, I recently finished reading the book uh, just to get it done before the movie, and uh, it's, it's pretty brutal. All right. Chad, what's your number six? My number six is Coherence. I have not heard of Coherence. Tell me more. All right, so this is a wild movie because there was no real script. Uh, Nicholas Brendan, which was a whole lot more exciting in 2013 before he did a bunch of terrible things. He's Xander from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He's in it. Emily Baldoni. And the whole premise is a group of friends are meeting together. They're having a dinner party. And then there is an astronomical anomaly and they start having distorted reality events. And so it becomes almost like an Inception-type movie of what's real, what's not. 
who's real, who's in what house, and there's a lot of mystery around it. It is just... Ooh, I'm so game for this. I like what you're selling me now. It's a short film, so it's Dustin's wheelhouse. It's 89 minutes long. Ooh, but, a tight 90. But it is wild. I... <laughs> That, that feels gross, even though I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. But yeah. That's check, on you, brother. Check this out. I've really thought about it. It was final two on my dealer's choice this, this year. I went with House of the Devil, but it may come up again. Ooh, it may come up again. What a tease. But I do like what you're selling. Lizzie, what was your number six? Number six, I have a feeling <laughs> I'm going to be holding it, but Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, wait. Ryan, what is your number six movie? The second Denny Villeneuve movie of the year, Prisoners. Nice. This was on my most wanted to see list from 2013. This is probably the next movie I would have watched in preparing for the show. So, Brian, tell me what I missed. It sounds good. This is an absolutely fantastic psychological thriller. I don't want to get too much into it because it's a movie that very much relies on its mystique. The end of it is just... I basically worship at this guy's catalog so that's why enemy is is become what it is for me and basically jay gyllenhaal spent his his entire 2013 or well whenever they recorded the uh films 2012 maybe with denny because uh they're both stars in the respective films lizzie you've done this one as well it was in my honorable mention i really really liked this movie and i completely agree that like it's it's hard to go into detail, but I will say that the character dynamics between Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal are dynamite. Like it is really, really good. And there are some scenes that are hard to watch, but you really, really like at the end of the movie, your mind is blown. Like it's really, really good. Man, I really wish I'd seen this instead of Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. <laughs> I mean, what I, was I doing? I should have seen this movie. I would put this film in the same ballpark as Black Swan. Mm. I would too, actually. I think that's a great comparison. Like, it's it's a very just visceral... Yeah, it's... Gosh, it's such a good movie. All right, my number six movie is Gravity. Wait. No one loves you like I love you. All right, top five. Here we go. Kicking it off with Dustin. American Hustle. Nice. And wait. Still waiting. All right, Chad. Number five. We are the Millers. Yes. All right, I have this one. My number five as well. So we line up perfectly. But you mentioned it first in the number five round. So why don't you take the floor, Chad? I mean, Jason Sudeikis is really funny. But for me, the star of the show is Will, Will Poulter. I still quote the... Wait, you guys are getting paid? <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> he is so funny. I, I feel like this was a vehicle, too, for Jennifer Aniston to say, you know what? I'm still around and I am still hot. Like, she does the entire striptease. Uh, she was in her 40s when she's doing it, and she's just saying, yep, still got it. Good for her, too. Yep, she does. I love the quote where he sits down to get his hair cut so that he can, like, be... You go on with like the the whole con that is the movie, and he's the hairdresser's like, okay, so what are we doing today? He's like, I need something that says I wake up every day at six a.m., go to my BS job, and suck up to my boss so that I can keep my kids all doped up on Dora the Explorer, and I can keep my wife and, and like drowning in self help novels until I finally have the courage to just blow my brains out. And <laughs> the, like, the strangers listening to him next 
next to him he's like it's this haircut <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> you I know just- what this is an honorable mention for me and I, I gotta say every time that it's on or i see clips from it i'm like gosh that movie seems so good but like the the plot of it or so much of it was immemorable I need to sit down and just watch it straight through because I, I only remember it being just knockout after knockout. Just so funny. But uh, for some reason, it just slips through my memory. The only reason it's not on my honorable mentions list is because I did feel like it was a series of punchlines as opposed to like a laugh out loud throughout the whole thing. Like there are some like the highs in this movie are very funny high. But there's also some plotting where I'm just like, yeah. The swollen, oh, I can't say it on the podcast, but swollen genitalia is memorable. Yes. I love the scene that ensues right after that. So we have this fake family and they're, none of them are actually related. And we see they're kind of coagulate and start to behave like a family. They start to care for each other. And I love the scene after when Chad's talking about uh, Emma Roberts' character is bringing in a real loser. Yes. They start to show investment. They start to behave like concerned parents of a teenage daughter. And they bring this loser in, and he's, uh, his name's Scotty P. And he keeps saying, know what I'm saying? Jason Sudeikis is just like saying, like, I do speak English. I do know what you're saying. I, I do know what you're saying. Thanks for checking in with me on that. And Jennifer Anderson sits him down. He's like, what is it you do for a living? I'm rocking that monkey maze. It's a terrifying death trap for kids. Oh, so you're a carny. Nice tattoos on your chest. It says no regrets, and it's all spelled wrong on his chest. He's like, really? No regrets? Nope. Right. Not even one? No regrets. Not not even one? Not a single letter? I love all the letters. Well, I love him. He's a real winner. I wouldn't use protection. Have fun. Scotty P, you're the man. You do you, Scotty P. Yeah. Never say tampon the same way after that movie because that Catherine, <laughs> Catherine Hunt, she, she's like, Oh, honey, you are you are you do you need a tampon? Do you need a tampon? <laughs> <laughs> Nick Offerman and Catherine Hahn are hilarious. Molly Quinn yes. is hilarious. There's an amazing scene with them later where they're in a trailer and they're the fake mother and sister are giving the teenage son kissing lessons and it looks incestual and Molly Quinn yes. walks in and she's very confused. And then it leads into a who's on first wording situation as he's trying to explain what happened. It's brilliant. So, so funny. So good. There's so many funny things going on here. There's elements of my blue heaven with the changed identity. There's a road trip comedy formula. That's always going to be a winning formula. It's a good structure to be able to string in lots of jokes together. Yeah, it is. To be able to take things that are funny and different side characters and insert them. It's a good vehicle for a comic. Jason Sudeikis is, does it all very well. I wouldn't be shocked if this is what laid the groundwork for Ted Lasso. Yeah, she's done such a good job in his post-SNL career. Yeah. He was on SNL at a very talented time with a great cast. And I feel like he's had one of the better runs and his post-SNL career coming out of it. Some of the people who were on with him, you might have expected bigger things from. But he's had a pretty good movie run. But moving on, Brian, what's your number five movie? Uh, CBGB. You told me to watch this one. And you recommended me to watch it, and I didn't. So tell us what we should have seen. 
This is uh, Malin Ackerman, Alan Rickman, and Grounded for Life. Yeah, I, I call him Grounded for Life because I, I don't actually know his name. I never have, but it's the dad from Grounded for Life. Uh, Ashley Green, who's also very pretty, is is in this as well. It, this is a movie about the club in New York City that basically catapulted the punk movement. It is seriously one of my favorite music films of all time. Malin Ackerman plays Blondie. You got Ron Weasley in this as a punk rock, uh, I think, bassist from Ohio. He's weird. And uh, dude, there's, yeah, there's some antics there. I love this movie. I love Alan Rickman, but I love this movie. This is freaking fantastic. I need to see this. I recommended it to me. I gotta check it out. I think I remember the movie poster said like 10,000 acts, one dirty bathroom. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, it, do, do the bathroom features prominently in this? Yeah. Like, it's supposed to be like one of the worst things you've ever seen in your life. This has almost been a dealer's choice a couple times. Maybe we'll see it come around that way again. Uh, maybe. I like the idea of that Ramones are one of my top five favorite bands of all time. So I'm seems up my alley. At number five, Lizzie. American Hustle. We're still waiting. Okay. Well, let's kick the number four round off, Dustin. Inside Lewin Davis. Going back to the Coen brothers. So uh, an interesting thing about this movie, I wanted to put it in my top 10. And then I thought about putting it in my honorable mention. And then I realized that after a rewatch recently, this is a movie that I wanted to like way more than I did. It's, it's almost like I, I decided it needed to be somewhere, but I couldn't really figure out how I fully felt about it. And so it just ended up in this category by itself of, I still don't know how I feel about it. I do not default to loving Coen Brothers movies because it's the Coens. And I did not need to like this movie. I needed to watch this movie. And then I got to like it. Uh, We get a good focus on music in this movie. Uh, We get incredible songs and they are shot as they're singing well. Uh, we do get this also, this, this new identity of mine while I'm on the show. We get a lot of bleakness. We get uh, the hard part of being a folk singer trying to make it in 1961. Uh, it is not, it's not real hard on you to watch. It's just hard enough. And then the little Coen Brothers comedy stuff that's in there is really enough to bring you up. For instance, the movie poster is a gorgeous Oscar Isaac in a uh, scarf holding a cat. And this movie is not about a cat, but with the cat's in- inclusion into the movie, you can see why, like, oh, that's why they picked it. So there, there's a bunch of fun stuff in it in a movie that generally isn't fun. And that's something that sometimes is a Coen Brothers thing. Uh, so I, I I did end up liking it. I'm the same way with Wes Anderson, by the way. I have to see it, but I don't have to like it. Some of them do stand out, and some of them are like, ah, maybe next time. Yeah, nobody gets it right all the time. Chad, what about you? What's your number four movie? Curse of Chucky. Nice. This was a good return to form for the franchise, in fairness. Yeah, it's it's a major return because we had, I think, Seed of Chucky probably the worst franchise entry Uh, whatever year that was that was the worst movie of that year yeah i mean it starts with sperm swimming across the title screen it is exactly (laughs) it gets worse from there this one 
we bring in Fiona Dorff, Brad Dorff's daughter, and she is fantastic as Nika. And she gets to go on to Cult of Chucky. She's even in the TV show as well a little bit, but this is just a return to form. I like Chucky. I really like the original Child's Play. I'm happy that he's made a return. I'm I'm happy that he feels menacing. We even get some Jennifer Tilly back in here. So I've got two questions. Mm-hmm. Was this movie worse than Catwoman? Seed of Chucky? Yeah, Seed of Chucky. Oh, wait. Seed of Chucky's awful. I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's worse than Catwoman. Absolutely. Cat- All right. Is it worse than Jersey Girl? I've never seen Jersey Girl. Yes. What? You don't like Jersey Girl? What? Oh, Jersey Girl is terrible. What? No, 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 no. Go back to your island. Go back to your no, island. I haven't no, seen it. That is, that, is, that is when I will actually it's like. It's Kevin Smith. Is it, is it bad? I mean, it's Kevin Smith. It's not that bad, is it? It's not that bad. Oh, you, you go watch it, Russell. I watched it with Brian for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We saw it together. Oh, God. What? Jersey Girl's so cute. You already came on strong with Catwoman, by the way. I literally could have exorcist head spinning around vomiting left the theater of Jersey Girl. Really? Even with like all like the yeah. teeny Todd like cuteness in that movie? Oh my gosh, no. that movie is cute. No. That's a cute rom-com. That is a weird movie that we saw together. I think, yeah. I, I, think I was we, a we've third wheel. But... We, we, we have seen a couple... Really bad movies together, Chad. <laughs> League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Back to Curse of Chucky, though. This movie returns to the style, the atmosphere, that I think is one of the better directed from the whole Child's Play franchise. Oh, yeah. I think it's got a lot of stylistically well-done moments of the protagonist being stuck in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Uh, her, it makes her seem extra vulnerable. I'm sorry, did somebody say wheelchairs? Yes, Dustin, <laughs> we will have to cover it. There is a wheelchair fight. Yes. And you're right, Chad. Brad Dourif's daughter. She's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Chucky is all ranges of seriousness to goofy and everywhere in between, and this is where I like Chucky. And I would say this is one of the best sequel from prior sequel improvements ever. And Seed of Chucky's bad. Did you see this one, Lizzie? This is not on my list, but I completely agree with everything that you all have said. I Seed of Chucky was embarrassing. And so I did not know how I was going to feel about this movie, but I felt like I had to check it out just because of the commitment to the franchise that I've had and I was really pleasantly surprised. I love the show too. I mean, it just, I've, it's been fun to see Chucky come back in a big way. Yeah, you're right. So, Lizzie, what's your number four movie? The Purge. Ooh, it didn't make my list, but that's honorable good. mention. I am surprised, Chad. I enjoyed it a lot. It's a good movie. I love the premise of it. I'm not, uh, you know, it, it was hard to stomach in the sense that I hate watching people do violence against each other. Like that's always really hard for me to stomach, but just the general premise of the movie, it felt like the Stanford prison experiment in the sense and like the psychology behind all of that of like, what if you take away all the rules, what would happen? And everything is legal and you just, you see this power dynamic and it really just, I love just kind of seeing like who is going to still hold on to their humanity and who is going to just completely lean in. 
And it was really, really cool to watch it unfold. Ethan Hawke, I'm a big fan of his. And also Game of Thrones, Cersei. I mean, you never know it, but yeah. it's just really like, yes, like a, a really solid, solid premise and really good delivery on, on the plot. I know if all crime were legal, what I would do is take pictures of buildings and go into areas that I wouldn't normally be able to get into. So I'd go to the highest floor and the coolest tower. And as dorky, it doesn't make a good movie, but that's what I would do. The most vanilla PG crime. It is wild that everyone everyone just jumps straight to murder. Like I'm right? going Yeah, that would not be like oh, oh, this person. Oh, I'm going full feral. I, I'm stealing <laughs> some TVs or something. Yeah. Take some TVs, but I'm not going on a killing spree. Some of the reasons you would loot? it's like yes. you didn't invite me for it's like real housewives fighting. You know, it's like if one person didn't in, like didn't get the type of cheese that they wanted on their charcuterie board and they feel triggered by that, it's like then they just resort to murder. It's just very bizarre. <laughs> Let but... us march! Let us march! <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. I bet Brian just goes into other competing bookstores and rearranges all the books. Ha <laughs> 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 This is in... <laughs> comedy and this is in cookbooks and this is in the wrong way this this is an incredibly dangerous movie for me yes. uh, jess and i watch jess and i watched this and i i like once the the the, the premise was fleshed out she kind of looked at me and she was like i would be incredibly worried mm. it yeah if, if and she's right you want to talk about going straight to murder i've worked in retail for 12 years mm. Yeah. I 100% understand going straight to murder. Oh my <laughs> God. I, I, I was watching this movie like, yeah, go big or go home. Brian's got his kill list. He's like, I would kill this guy. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. You're like Steve Buscemi from yes. uh, Billy Madison. Like, like, have the list. He's putting on his <laughs> lipstick. Like, Please, can I? Please, can I? Two things. Uh, Billy it, Madison has been referenced so many times this year, which yes. I love. <laughs> no, I, I literally got to the point where uh, it's like a, like, you know, we talked about like verbal tics in movies and, and lines you use a lot. Jess and I will be out doing something and we'll see something and I'll go, Purge! <laughs> <laughs> anytime i'm like i i would kill that person <laughs> for curfew during covid when they were trying to do that some moron decided and the government didn't catch it the first guy was brilliant he gave them that klaxon from the purge it's that alarm for going inside and that's what they set mm. off for curfew and i'm like yeah. oh oh that doesn't mean what you think it that's means. excellent like purge, that go. guy's my hero yeah. but the the people that didn't catch it, hilarious. The purge makes me think so of one of my of one of my mottos, which is, uh, "It's too late for you to become a billionaire, but it's not too late to see what they taste like." <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yes, <It's> really dark. <laughs> Brian, what is your number four movie? My number four movie is Wolf of Wall Street. This is actually a good year for the Academy. Because there were really standout films. I really enjoyed Wolf of Wall Street. It had several actors playing outside their normal wheelhouse, which I really appreciate. Overall, I mean, obviously it's it's not a positive movie. But man, I really did enjoy it from a pure acting perspective. 
I love this movie. I find this movie, it's debauchery in total. And so, I mean, I think being able to watch it through that lens and have that sense of like, I'm going into this, recognizing that these are, it's almost like a what not to do kind of movie to watch. But on the same accord, it's like you're watching these beautiful people and watching their lives unfold and all this glitz and glamour, but also seeing that underneath all of that is just like these people are like the biggest messes ever. And I love, um, I mean, Margot Robbie is just like, you can't take your eyes off of her. She's just so captivating. And, but I, I actually think this movie, what I like about it most of all is I think it's funny. Yeah, like it, I think it's really I, funny. I, honestly, <laughs> it could be a comedy. This could easily it's be very considered. Funny. Like, it is a very funny movie. The Golden Globe said it was. I'm not sure I agree. We were just in uh, we were just in Vegas. My husband and I were, and as we're walking, we see this massive Steve Madden store, and I couldn't help myself. I look right over it at Aaron and go, Steve Madden. <laughs> like I just there's always quotable things in here, and like I I couldn't necessarily say it in the in this podcast of all of it, but you know he's giving his speech at the very end to all of his employees, and he just immediately changes his mind. He's like, I'm not leaving. I'll leave it. I'm gonna leave it. And then it's just like it's just there's so many teeny little parts about this movie that make it so funny. You know, I saw this one, but I did not enjoy it as much as either of you guys did. I don't enjoy the guy ascending only then to tear him down kind of thing. Like Orsese did this with Goodfellas. It it seems to go over a lot better for most people than it does for me. I don't know. I don't want to run this one down too much. People really seem to like it. Dustin, how about you? This is one of those that I have intentionally missed when movies are frequently like pointed to like, oh, did you see this? The more I hear it, the less I want to see it. So uh, unless I'm in on it, right ah, away. it's not values. always, but this one in particular. And then if the subject matter being of vast material wealth makes me sick. So I don't, <laughs> I don't generally like that setting. I understand it may be I understand it may be great. He gets his, just so you know. Yeah, it's seeing them get their comeuppance is fun. I'm not sure this one is for Dustin. It's certainly a long movie. It's pretty long. It's, it's not, not a, a tight, tight 90. 90. Good luck. Gosh. <laughs> there was a period of time in the 2000s where I was like laughing at DiCaprio's lack of an Oscar. This is the point, like right around 2013, was the point where I'm like, y'all are nuts. Like, the fact that this guy hasn't won an Oscar yet, like, Mm. shame on you. Because he was, he was doing, he was doing Daniel Day Lewis stuff for 15 years and not getting an Oscar for it. He had to fight a bear and get mauled to do it, but he got one. He got his, Brian. Yeah, but he, he realistically, he should have like Brian, six. it reminds me of like LeBron James. Is that, uh, it's just sort yes. of like, we understand that he's yes. the best, but we can't give him the MVP every year. But it, it's without Leo like right. winning early. It was without that. It was just no championship. He's car right. owning it. Yeah. And that's where it's like, oh, man, this yeah. it's just so much evidence in your face. You have to. Like at first it was funny and then it got Mm. sad. Like it got sad and and slightly outrageous. And uh, (laughs) and, yeah. So anyway, uh, really hats off to DiCaprio. He's excellent. He's excellent in everything, but he's excellent in this. 
And, and I actually got to a point where I was like, I'd like to see this guy in passion projects that he likes. Like, I'm not saying that he didn't like any movies. And McConaughey was quite memorable in this one as well. He was. All right. My number four movie is The Heat with Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy. Ugh. Don't groan, Chad. Oh. Uh, what Chad said. What Chad well, said. I hate that this movie makes you sad, Brian and Chad, but this movie is a blast. It is a powerhouse of Melissa McCarthy doing her thing in a buddy cop movie. It's just too much fun. My wife rented this and we watched it together and she apologized to me the second the credits hit. Oh, wow. She didn't even, (laughs) we didn't even have to have a discussion. It was just credits. Look at me. I'm sorry. And that was the appropriate reaction. (laughs) I, I, I appreciate that people like Melissa McCarthy. I'm not one of them. Uh, uh, it, she is the antithesis of like you, you get the actors who you're like I don't care what the movie is I'm going to see it because so and so's in it. She she's the opposite of that. She's like oh no, Melissa McCarthy's in it. Okay, I'll pass. Uh, I, I just I'm the I can't opposite. Do it. If she's in it. I, just... I want to see it. I think this is a great time. Dustin, what is your number three? Gravity. Wait. Brian says wait. Wait. Chad, number three. This is where I have Pacific Rim. Wait on oh. that. I love it. Oh, I love that you have it higher. Yes, I yes, do too. Dustin. <laughs> yes, Dustin. It doesn't surprise me. The word kaiju and Dustin just. <laughs> the fortitude of having Pacific Rim in a top three here. Just <laughs> I, will fight. I will fight for it. Lizzie, your number three. My number three is probably a rogue option, but I put the Catching Fire, the Hunger Games sequel. And I know I'm on an island, but I, <laughs> I'm a huge, huge fan of those books, especially when they came out in, when I was in college. And Catching Fire was always my ultimate favorite. They had the quarter quell of the Hunger Games, which meant they did something a little different. So there's a pretty cool twist in there that I won't give away in case anyone has not yet watched it but i just love it i love the storyline and i love i love it well it made 424 million dollars so a lot of people agree with you on this one it was the number one movie on the year at the box office i personally enjoyed the first movie a little bit and i wanted to see more what was going on here in the second and third movie but i'll have to be honest with you i did not get what i was hoping for Good white noise movie for me. Yeah, I really enjoy it. My 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 qualm here, and and I like the movie. Please don't take this the wrong way. The book was so drastically better than the movie. Like hundred percent. Yeah. If if, if 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 all you've ever done with Hunger Games is watch the movies, that's me. You are doing yourself a disservice. I do not feel compelled to read these books based on the movies, though. Teen fiction was a new thing to me when I started working for Barnes and Noble and I was like, I don't know any of this stuff. Hunger Games was the first thing I read. I read the three books in a week and a half. Pretty much the same. Yeah, I love that. I was like, this is holy crap, this is good. So I the only reason I don't even have that on my honorable mention is the books are so much better than the movies that I can't even touch that. Totally agree with you, but in the same way that I put for for me personally 
how I put Les Mis on there, even though I can like recognize that it's not a movie. (laughs) I just love the treat of being able to like watch that story. And that's exactly how I feel about Catching Fire. But I do think that the production value and the acting is superior to Russell Crowe's. So he's Catching Fire is much higher. Ryan, what is your number three movie? American Hustle. Nice. I think it's time to do the hustle. This is an absolutely excellent noir-esque movie. This was one of the things that when it came out, I I had it earmarked as a, I absolutely have to go watch this film. The acting it is in it is superb. I understand why it did as well as it did because it was worthy of it. There are so many different aspects of it. that was very Donnie Brasco-ish, which was also a favorite of mine way back. This is one that I would not hesitate to recommend, even though it is known for being as good as it actually is. Oh, yeah. It was certainly one of those best picture yep. selections. It's the only one I saw. Chad, you oh, had this one nice. in yours, right? No, I didn't. Uh, I had it in mine. Yeah, I just, I, I think it, it absolutely, it, it earns its chops. Uh, it's not just Jennifer Lawrence's performances. It's, it's everybody's. And uh, it, it puts, it did remind me, not remind me because this happened later, but there are some times when you've got that, that crime noir and it isn't working out smoothly or suavely that like it makes me think of the other guys from 2016 yes same feel though not you know it's it's and the color of this movie everything is like it's not through like a sepia tone or anything but it does feel um very yellow very yellow movie it feels the way that boz lerman's gatsby wanted it feels so good so, Chad, this is the only one of the Best Picture nominees that you did see, right? Yes, yes. I saw this at a bed and breakfast. My wife and I had taken some time off in a way, and we watched this. This was our movie of the night. So it was something we were both excited for. I liked it, but I don't have as vivid of a memory as everyone else here seems to have. It was it was more like, ah, that's a thing. But it doesn't surprise me, especially from Brian. Uh, like noir is not my thing. It's usually not in my wheelhouse. I'm I'm gonna raise the question though. Is this a noir? I mean, it's awfully lighthearted. I called it noir esque. A lot of humor. There's an ending that resolves in a certain way that isn't very noir like. I it's a crime movie, no doubt. There's humor. There's levity to it. I don't think it has all the elements that it takes to be a noir. Personally, I would call it noir esque. Yeah, it's got a it's got a tenor of it. Gosh, the way the police characters handled through Richie's character, kind of becoming an antagonist, and the way that I don't know that maybe maybe I just feel like the humor in the disco setting has just taken us out of noir. It's more haphazard, but you know, really, the basis of crime noir has that in it. I mean, you look at movies like The Nice Guys, uh, or even The Long Goodbye to a certain uh, you know point the the there's a goofiness that almost happens in that gumshoe yeah. piece and and i would say that humor in in a fashion even if it's off kilter or a little darker it actually embodies noir in a way yeah the absurdity of everyday interactions is where the humor comes from not the absurdity of like a dumb and dumber type romp uh it it it, it matters to uh and i'll use lizzie's phrase like slice of life like oh this is you can see this happening with uh, you know Elliot Gould talking to his cat, like is that supposed to be as as compelling as it is? Well, I don't know, but it just seems real. 
Lizzie, you had this one at your number five, I think. Yes. Yes. I mean, I just, I love it. I, I'm kind of with you where visually it just feels really, really captivating. The performances were unbelievable. And I actually think everybody always shines a light on Jennifer Lawrence. And as you could tell from my number three, I love her. I'm a big fan. But I actually think Amy Adams took the cake for me in this movie. I think she was spectacular. She had such a heavy heart the whole movie. She tugged on my heartstrings in a way that nobody else really did. And I, I think she just did. She was fantastic. Yeah, Amy Adams. Where's her Oscar? So true, Dustin. She needs one. Get her one. There's a whole podcast called Where's Her Oscar? And the whole first season is dedicated to Amy Adams. We had V on the show from that show. But there is some great acting in this movie. Cooper's great. Christian Bale is great. Florence is great. You got De Niro in this thing. Lucy Kay is valuable in his limited role. I mean, there's a weighty cachet of actors here that deliver and it's told well. And uh, Amy Adams is fantastic. I think with Lizzie, I think she takes the cake on this one as well. It's fun to see all these characters angling in the same situation, trying to get come out of this on top. And it's, that is fun. This made my honorable mentions. I feel like this is a stronger year than some of the other years that we've covered. I would think most years this would have made it. All right, my number three movie, Brian has recommended to me, persistently so, and came on Tubi, fell on my lap, I watched it, it's called About Time. Yes. It is amazing. I love this movie, it is a heartwarming, great romance movie, probably one of the best romance movies I've ever seen. It feels wonderful, but it's fantasy elements, like the premise, where the fathers, or the men in this family, can go back in time, change events. So. Nobody else in their family knows about it. It's a wonderful concept. You know I love Mr. Nobody from one of the earliest episodes we did. And the decisions that you make in life will have a massive impact on how the rest of your life goes. This movie plays with that in a very fun and whimsical way. It's certainly a lot lighter in tone than Mr. Nobody. But if you've ever wanted to feel good, this movie just gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling. I know it's a movie that Domino Gleason was great in. Bill Nye was in it. This is a different Bill Nye than I had experienced before. He's really good here. I want more of that warmth in him. Rachel McAdams, she's amazing. She delivers here. She delivers all the time. I, I always love her. She's great in this movie. This might be in my upper echelon of romance movies of all time. It's that good. With rewatch, it will only grow for me. Favorites. And I will be recommending people much like Fry quite persistently. So I've recommended it to several people already after watching it, and I'm recommending it here to you all now. This is my number three movie. There it is. Fry, you nailed it, man. We have different experiences with what Fry recommends. When I get my text from Fry, he's like, dude, this movie's really screwed up. All you screwed up. Go see it. He's like, have, have you seen We're All Going to the World's Fair? I'm like, I will go check it out yes. immediately. And then, then immediately yes. afterwards, I'm like, Brian, Brian, what the heck? What did you just do to me? <laughs> Brian, tell me you have this one in your top. Yeah, too, yeah, right? this is this is my number eight movie. So here's the thing: I I feel like I get very pigeonholed in in the things I like. Because, you do <laughs> that's deserved, and this is not on like, brand for you. But here's the thing: I mean, when I see one that I feel like has really good credibility, I mean, I put this in the same bucket with Love Actually, and uh, this is where I leave you. There are movies out there that do the right things to make me enjoy it. And I, I think this is a phenomenal movie. 
and you're 100% spot on. Domhnall Gleeson in this movie is phenomenal, and Bill Nye as well. And like I, I remember watching this and being like, "This, like th- there is, like this is <laughs> this is correctly done," and I'm not alone. And so, yeah, I, I definitely spread the love when I see, you know, stuff that this is one of those movies that if Jess hadn't already watched this with me, I would or I would subtly bring it up for 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 brownie points being yes. like offering up this like, here's this thing that isn't at all like I usually make you watch. And then she's like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, but 100 <laughs> percent. Um, this movie's fantastic. And, and, and if you want more of this from me and you haven't seen it yet, watch This Is Where I Leave You. Well, I may take you up on that because your recommendation for this one was great. I had it even higher than you did on this one. So thank you, Brian. Well, now on to the number two round. Why don't you start us off, Dustin? Pacific Rim. Yes. Yes. I love Pacific Rim. Giant love robots Pacific versus Rim. giant monsters. It, it's giant robots versus giant monsters. The world has moved on to where we know giant monsters are a threat. And so the entire world builds giant robots to go out into the ocean <laughs> and fight them. It's incredible. There's, there's one big issue with this movie. This movie should have been like the third movie in a big series of this. They jumped the gun and they got to the point where the crisis had gotten too big. This was the third Avengers movie. This was the third Transformers movie. This should have been, we should have gotten comic books or TV show about what it was like when this crisis first hit Earth. Because Pacific Rim 2, I refuse to see. Here it was bad. I watched it. It was not great. It's fine. fine. Pacific Rim is one of the few movies in my entire life that I've seen in theaters twice. And I, I, I needed to see it on the big screen. It's incredible. And Brian, you were kind of joking earlier, but like, yes, I am the guy that says, put this above all of the Oscar winners. This Do is it. what I want. Oh my God, this is such an entertaining movie. This is a movie that I will put on while I'm working out, specifically on a treadmill or an elliptical, because you're doing the the, yeah, the robot moves as you're doing it, and you're just like, yeah, let's go. We're about to fight a giant monster. Yeah. Uh, dude, this movie is so much fun. I remember leaving the theaters and being like, random guy on the street, watch Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim? Pacific Random Rim? guy I don't like. What? Purge. Going to, going to the bar. Yeah. Showing up at the bar. Pacific Rim! Like, this... Oh my gosh, I, I had a blast with this movie. It was my number three, so I, I'm very happy that Dustin beat me out here. I love kaiju movies. They're not always the smartest movies, but that's not what you're here for. You're here for spectacle and fun. And that's what it is. I'm looking at Lizzie, though, and I, I feel like this is the dumb boys moment. For being dumb boys, yeah. <laughs> this has one of the best honest. <laughs> this has one of the best honest trailers of anything I've ever watched honest trailers on. The honest trailers for this is perfect. I mean, I've used the comparison multiple times of the monkey clanging the cymbals. <laughs> this is what happens. Giant robots and kaijus, and I am that monkey banging the cymbals like, yay! <laughs> well, maybe I should give it a go. You guys really seem to like it a lot. I looked at it, and it <laughs> came out, and I said, this one is not for me. I don't know that I want to see this one. So I passed it up, but you guys are going to bat for this one, and you guys are working very hard to make me watch. I think you're in decent company. Have you seen it, Lizzie? No, I, I've not oh, seen it, and I've 
I'm kind of in that category with you, Lizzie. Yeah, I I think I'm super good right here. <laughs> <laughs> watched a lot of 2013 movies to cram for this this one wasn't on my next 20 movies I think I was going to say from 2013 so <laughs> <laughs> alright Chad let's move forward what's your number two movie so I am bringing up Brian's wife's favorite movie I've watched it with him Evil Dead from 2013 <laughs> oh nice. yeah this is a good remake by the way it was it was a good one. Oh my goodness I I went into this movie not expecting anything because uh, you you don't have Bruce Campbell, really. Jane Levy is carrying this, and it is gory, it is gross, it is frightening at times, and it solidifies Evil Dead as probably the most consistent franchise in all of horror. There isn't a single bad movie, but... I did watch this with Brian and his wife, and she has a thing about wet hair. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of wet hair and creepiness, but fantastic movie. The The new one that was out this year, I loved as well. If you I, like chainsaws, this movie's for you. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. You've, you've got to have it. I mean, if you're familiar with Evil Dead, you know what you're going to get. Well, I have to say though, I watched this one before I watched the original one. This is my introduction to the franchise. This is- Oh, that is- Honest with you? This is- a for a remake, this is especially good. Maybe it's because I saw this one first, but Chad, you came over to my house. You said, we got to watch this. And I was really, really surprised. It surprised me. It's a fun horror movie. It, it's well done. It, I'm not normally a gore fest guy, but it's just well enough done that it's scary. It's a good time. Lizzie, you're cooler on this. Yes, I'm not a fan of Evil. No, I, I, I should say for I really respect Evil Dead. Like I really, truly do. Like there are some movies that I don't like that I'm like haunting in Connecticut too. Ghosts in Georgia, where I'm like <laughs> you're trash. And I, but I, that is not why I did. <laughs> I just like Evil Dead. I really, truly have a lot of respect for the franchise, and I completely get why it is a lot of people's cup of tea. For me, I just don't like the super over the top gore. Like that just human suffering element of it is really hard for me to get by. But I have seen this movie and I did enjoy it. I did look away, you know, when when they start bringing out like the, the turkey carving knife, like yes. the electronic knife, I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Oh, you can just tell me what happens. But I mean, all in all, it is a really, really good movie and it's solid. And I totally get why the people who are major Evil Dead fans got behind this remake because it's, it's solid. All right. Well, Lizzie, what is your number two movie? I'm so eager to see if you guys have ever seen this movie before, but uh, it's Saving Mr. Banks. Yes. Very good. Yeah. I have not seen it, but I would like to. Yes, I have seen it. Oh my gosh. I love, love this movie so, so much. It's Tom Hanks plays Walt Disney. And he wants to buy the rights to Mary Poppins. So he goes to the, and all of their names are, are blanking on me, but she plays the author of Mary Poppins. And she is not a fan of Disney whatsoever because he just saw animation and fairy tales and happy endings. And she's so worried that Walt is not going to do right by Mary Poppins. And so, Are you talking about P.L. Travers? The the author, P.L. Travers, or Emma Thompson, the Emma actress? Thompson. Emma okay. Thompson. Yeah, she's like so spectacular. Thank you, Emma Thompson. She's like just so 
lovely and vulnerable and it's just I love it so much and so it's just you're basically watching Walt court P.L. Travers in a sense to get the rights to Mary Poppins and the MVP of that movie is Paul Giamatti in my opinion it is just he plays this like very sweet driver for P.L. Travers and they just they end up forming this friendship that just brings me to tears. It's just very sweet, quiet movie, but it is one worth watching. Like it, it will touch your heart. Yeah. You get uh, Simon Helberg, who's uh Howard Wallowitz in big bang theory. He's uh he's one of the musicians in that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I mean, there's just so much to say about the movie that I can't without spoiling it, but it is, it's lovely. That's the best way yes. to put it. It's a lovely movie. But uh, definitely a twist because P.O. Travers hated Mary Poppins. She did not cry out tears of joy. She cried tears of anger. She hates Walt Disney. Yeah. Well, I need to get to this one for sure. So, Ryan, what is your number two movie? I went with Dallas Buyers Club here. I, I bent under the weight of just performance excellence. I was riding a high. Uh, Matthew McConaughey really just destroying the world. This is an apex for his uh, acting ability. I probably owe McConaughey an apology because he was probably one of my most hated actors of the early 2000s. And man, as soon as he made his money, did he change my mind? <laughs> After Ghost of Girlfriends passed, almost made him quit. I didn't even think I really wanted to watch this movie. I kind of made myself watch it, given its accolades that it got, and I'm glad I pushed myself to watch it. it. It's not a fun movie. It's a heavy subject. It's one of those emotional movies that forces you to confront a really difficult situation, a difficult subject that you may want to turn your head away from, and it's just one of those movies where there's a lot of emotion that's conveyed incredibly well. It's a very well-made movie. It's not a fun movie. I, I said that's why I didn't make my list. It's not really rewatchable either. Yeah, that's a good point. But I have nothing but respect for it, particularly for the performances from McConaughey yeah. and Leto. They did just an amazing <laughs> job. <laughs> oh, stop it. He's good. <laughs> he does a good job. I mean, he's a good actor. Just deal with it. And he proved it here. Jennifer Garner's in it, too. She did a great job. I mean, it's an important issue that I really didn't know much about the topic. And it's a story worth capturing here. And because of this movie, I think it will be remembered. Agreed. Sad. I saw it once, and I mean, I think you what you said was was perfect. It's it's a really hard movie to watch, but it's it's one of those movies that can convey a certain type of human experience that we probably want to act like isn't actually happening. It's hard to watch. It's not necessarily entertaining, but it is a good film, and the acting is incredible. Along similar lines, my number two pick is Twelve Years a Slave. It's on my. I should have watched this movie, but I didn't. This was a phenomenal movie. Its acting is amazing in this. The emotions are strong. I mean, slavery is a heavy subject. We visited before movies, but I think this is one of those very compelling moments that is just like I said with Brian and Dallas Buyers Club. It's part of the history. It's an ugly truth that's hard to confront. And it's about a man who's taken from his home, uh, fooled, tricked by a human trafficking situation. He was a free man in the North, and he's taken back down South as a slave and sold into slavery, as the movie implies, for 12 years. It says it right there in the title. It's a lot to endure. He plays dumb. He's an educated man, and to stay alive, he plays dumb. To get through this, Fassbender plays a great villain in this. I can't say enough about this one. It just shows you the power of education and 
freedom. It's one of those ones that you should probably see in a history class. It's great acting. It captures a really difficult place in humanity. And boy, what a great movie. It's just outstanding. Five stars. I cannot say enough about it. It deserves all the praise that it got. It's not as bleak as Dallas Buyers Club. There's more hope and inspiration in it. The word I'm looking for is just uplifting in the end. It's, it goes through a lot, but it, it also comes out the other side for you. So, This is probably the heaviest I've gone in my top five for you know, Oscar nod films. And I understand that American Hustle isn't a heavy film, uh, nor is Wolf of Wall Street for that matter. But I will say that the Academy got it more right than wrong this year. I had three Oscar movies in my top 10. This Same. is definitely at the top of the Oscars list for me. Dustin, your number one movie from 2013. Her. I love that we get to the final round. This is a unique pick. No one else had this one. This is an ambitious movie. When I saw this movie in theaters, I walked out and I said to my uh, girlfriend, this is the best movie I've ever seen in theaters. Wow. I was openly weeping. Uh, I felt harder than I'd ever felt before for emotion on screen through solo performances almost exclusively. You do get some small ensembles, but it it was so powerful with Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson that we have several others. Uh, Amy Adams. Not Adam Fisher, yes. The idea is, the, the, the thing that's stuck with me for so long is that this is also the best original screenplay winner which I have gone on record several times to say, I believe this is the most impressive Oscar. And you, you guys may not agree with me, but that's the one I always feel like. That I like. Best original screenplay is, I put that one on a pedestal. And uh, I, I've felt so much from it, just images from it, that I've actually refused to rewatch it. Uh, it's the feeling that I got from seeing it the first time I'm worried I'll, I won't have it again. So I get to hold on to that feeling I had uh, when I saw it. And uh, so it's kind of funny that I do this immediately after Pacific Rim, which I saw a bunch, that this one is like this. It's like this first time that you have like mint chocolate chip, chip ice cream and you feel like I, this is something that I can hold on to. I'm not saying I'll never watch it again, but for 10 years, I've just held that memory of this is something really, really special. And if you haven't seen it, listeners, I'm not going to tell you about it. Just watch it. Yeah, that's fair. It's an emotional, very thought-provoking, challenging movie. It's on my should-have-seen list. It's actually number two on my should-have-seen list. I had no interest, but that was beautiful, and now I'm a little tempted. Yeah, uh, it, it, watch it. Watch it with your wife. Watch it with your husband. Uh, it's, it's, something, it's something that is... It's not something that will make you like look at one another and relish what you have it's something that will make you both feel really hard at the same time and that is it's the whole theater there was a pressure in the room and it was it's something special i've never encountered it before it's it's i thought it was really something dustin what a strong endorsement for going to the theaters and actually having a theater experience that's true yeah chad number one movie from 2013 Spooky man likes spooky stuff. The Conjuring. Me too. Wait for it. No, I'm kidding. It's my number one movie too. Oh. Yes. I I have such a unique relationship with this film because I didn't like it the first time I saw it. I was just, it was a movie that I 
caught with a terrible mood. I was in a bad mood. And Russell pestered me over and over again of like, you should like this. Why don't you like this movie? And he was just downright annoying about it. So I begrudgingly said, fine, I'll rewatch this movie. Now it's one of my favorite movies of, of all time. It's a <laughs> it's a five-star horror. It just, you can catch a, a horror movie on a bad day and not be in a mood for it. Uh, the performances are wonderful. The universe it spawned has been interesting. Mixed reviews. The Nun has not been great. But particularly Vera Farmiga, she is, she's wonderful. There are some great scares. And to be rated R while being a clean movie, just due to the fact that it's that frightening, that's an impressive claim to fame. Great. I feel like that was the movie that I hadn't, I saw in theaters for the first time. And I remember seeing a long string of movies that were scary, like categorized as scary. However, I didn't really feel scared. Like Saw, you know, during this time was kind of in its surge and, you know, Evil Dead. And it's these movies that I appreciate that they're a part of the horror family, but I don't find them frightening. Right. And this was the first movie that I remember sitting in for a long time. It had been a very long dry spell and just being petrified. I mean, I won't go into details, but that one particular scene with the like the clapping game, like really stuck. I'm almost like getting cold chills even just thinking about it. It shook me to my core and I will rewatch that movie every other Halloween or so. And it still never ceases to just scare me half to death. Like it is just so, so, so well done. And all while, last thing I'll add it, but all while having this really, really amazing character dynamic. And you fall in love with Ed and Lorraine Warren. Like they're good people. You love them and you love the family. And it's just, it has like a little bit of everything in that aspect. And I just, it's amazing. It has moments of warmth in the face of great evil. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful way to put it. That's a very powerful thing in a movie like this because they give you emotions to care about the characters in a way that few movies take the time to really invest in. I think we just haven't talked about how well crafted this is. This isn't just dumb jump scares. This is real suspense that's built up of the fear of the unknown, of what you don't see. There's a mysteriousness of what's going on here. And like Chad said, this is not a movie that's gory. No. If you were to count the acts of violence and swear words in it, it probably isn't an R-rated movie. It's just absolutely terrifying. And it should totally be rated R because it's really scary. And this is way up there for me. I didn't want to overreact at the time, but I mean, I think I would go as far to put this in elite level, like exorcist level stuff. Agreed. I would totally agree with that. Yeah, right. This stuff's up there for me. With Psycho? Stuff like that? This is really in the upper echelon horror for me. Just because it's new doesn't mean that it's not a classic. I think just because it's 10 years old doesn't mean that you can't label it a classic. I think it's time to go ahead and... I would say go ahead and label it a classic. That's my opinion. I mean, I might have just been the right age for it. The mood of the theater may have just been right. It might have just hit me at the right time. And I certainly would like to see history treated as kindly as the movies that we here on the Retro Movie Roundtable have championed as the absolute classics. I think that it is. Yes, I totally agree. I don't know that I would count the rest of the extended universe as that. I certainly don't mind that it exists, and I'm glad that I got it too. But this first Conjuring movie is special. Yeah. I hear only good things. This was another one that I just missed. Brian, what is your number one movie from 2013? This is where I have gravity. 
I had it at my number six. Dustin, you had it at your number... My number three. Three. Yep. Brian, tell us about this one. This is one of the best atmosphere movies I've ever seen. No pun intended. <laughs> it seemed intended. Like, I, no, I it, it, seriously just thought of it that way. This movie makes you... I, I wish I had seen this in IMAX. Oh, me like, too. Oh, yeah, I, me too. I, I, I saw this at home. And I wish I had seen it in IMAX. And it still, even just on a TV, made me feel like I was in that situation. I, I'm not sure if there's a movie that ever did a better job at putting you in the seat of a character than this one. And you didn't and, need the POV shots to do it. They no. they added a bit, but you didn't need that. It really did make no. you feel like you're a part of this crisis. Oh, man. I was just, uh, the whole movie, I was just like, Oh, like, and it's not, I wouldn't even characterize it as a suspense movie, even though that's all it is. Like, that's the wild thing about this film is you're constantly in this anxiety riddled state with how it makes you feel, but it's not a suspense film in, you know, literal sense, or I guess it is in the literal sense, but in the, you know, hypothetical sense that they usually put suspense movies in. I just, I, I, this movie hits you in the feels. It's just not the sadness feels. This activates. Like, this movie activates. Brian, you are endorsing the Academy this year for sure. Yeah. It won seven Oscar this year. Yep. It is well deserved. It's a beautiful movie. It is pretty. It's also pretty. I wish I had gotten to see this one on a big screen. It's thrilling. I didn't expect to be thrilled so much. I hate to say whatever the Academy Award nominates, I don't especially, if in space, I figure it's not going to be exciting. It's going to be a slow dialogue-driven drama-based movie. And that's not what this movie is. It's a thrill ride. It's exciting. And it's also a human dimension, emotionally mm-hmm. touching movie as well. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it really does kind of activate. God, what's a great way to put it is your body reacts to this movie. And th- there's something that there, well, there's there's two things about it that I, I would want to mention because otherwise I think you described it really well is that it's probably one of George Clooney's least favorite roles for me because it's he, he matters but we know that this movie is about um uh Dr. Ryan Brown oh, I can't remember her name Sandra we know Bullock? that it's about her yeah but her, her character's name is Dr. Ryan something and then uh, the the second thing is this is a tight 90. And you don't expect a movie of this scale to be, an hour, to be feature length an hour 30 minutes. I'm that now That makes this really special. Yeah, oh, it's, it's so good, Chad. Yeah, that's another thing. The Academy Award doesn't tend to like movies that are just in the 90-minute range. So this doesn't feel like an Academy and nominee. In fact, I just don't think in any other era that uh, they would have only had the five candidates. I don't think this would have been nominated as one of the best pictures category. So, well, they do a lot with a little. Yes, they do. And it's a great time. It's a great experience. It's a great space movie. I just think it's a great Sandra Bullock effort. She's awesome in this too. She continues to be. Yes, absolutely. Right up there with Miss Congeniality. If only there was a podcast that covered this movie. This movie. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. There are some honorable mentions that you might want to throw out there. Let's start with you. We'll go in reverse order this time. Brian, give me some honorable mentions. 
I'm going to run down these real quick because my number 11 or my number one honorable mention has already been talked about with Now You See Me. Uh, Warm Bodies. Yes! Yes. Josh Brolin's remake of Old Boy was excellent. 47 Ronin. Kick-Ass 2. Star Trek Into Darkness. Two Guns, which will be a dealer's choice at some point. I've got to make you guys watch it. It's hilarious. Gangster Squad. The East. And Harlock Space Pirate. All right, Chad, honorable mentions. Yeah, Warm Bodies was my zombie movie for Lizzie. It's Romeo and Juliet with zombies. I've seen that, actually. But I go with Oculus. Mike Flanagan is very hot right now. Follow the House of Usher. (laughs) Go see this. Karen Gillan's great. Also, she's a pretty lady. Yeah, I love the concept of brother getting out of a psych ward only for his sister to be like, let's revisit childhood trauma. So that's where they go. Lizzie, honorable mentions. Oh, Oculus was so good. I have The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Now, I only saw this movie from a podcast that from a podcast episode that we did, but I really liked it. I thought it was so darling and sweet. I know Chad Chase. I, I'm so glad you liked it because that was going to be a miserable podcast. Lizzie, oh, were you I not on the episode? It. I thought it was so cute. She was, thankfully. She saved it. Oh, okay, because I wasn't on it and I like it. Oh, I thought it was so good. That to me, that's like another. Like, I mean, obviously, there's it's it's slice of life, just in the aspect that it's like it's you're just dealing with this like sweet, simple guy, and it's a beautiful movie as well, by the way. Yes, it's it is gorgeous, it's gorgeous, and it's like a coming of age tale for an adult. It's it's really, really beautifully well done. And then also, I put Mama. That was a movie that I kind of enjoyed. Uh, Jessica Chastain. Like our first little whack at it. It was like cozy horror is how I would have described that movie. Not really that scary, but just just thrilling enough that if I'm folding laundry, I'm still going to be captivated. Fry, you're a Chastain head, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Big fan. I am as well. Zero Dark Thirty. I mean, just about everything she's in. Molly's Game, Tammy, Eyes of Tammy Faye, Most, Most Violent Year, Tree of Life. My favorite, though, is Zero Dark Thirty. Go watch. Dark 30. She's always great. All right, Dustin, honorable mentions. Man of Steel it, like, put Henry Cavill on my radar, uh, who I think is great in everything he does, although I didn't like the movie. The Great Gatsby, uh, I didn't like. These are honorable mentions. I want, I want to mention that I didn't like them. I actually think The Great Gatsby <laughs> is uh, bad. No, I think it's, it's bad in particular. Uh, it's a mishmash of scenes. It shouldn't have gotten any accolades. Uh, I am a, an apologist for Iron Man 3. Uh, no. I thought it was fun. No I, children. There was a child and you're defending this movie? I don't think it's good, but I don't think it's as bad as people think. And then finally, I just wanted to say, as part of my honorable mentions, uh, Grand Theft Auto V, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, and Bioshock Infinite. This might have been one of the strongest years for video games ever. So uh, th- those, are, those are real big heavy hitters. And I'm not even a Grand Theft Auto guy, that's 10 years worth of Rockstar getting out of that. And Bioshock Infinite has a plot that rivals any movie. Very, very good. I'll also say one thing on this, since we've been talking about the feels. I have never in my entire life cried at the ending of a video game until Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Yeah. So I really wanted to get one of these honorable mentions in my 10 this year, but I just really couldn't. And that is... So I really wanted to get one of these honorable mentions into my top 10. I just couldn't. It was a strong year. And I think Dustin in particular, Fry in particular, if you haven't seen this one, you should. It's a suspenseful, mysterious movie. 
amazingly well-directed piece, small studio, Scarlett Johansson's in it. It's called Under the Skin. Ooh, that one's fun. So Fry and Dustin, if you haven't seen this one in particular, you should. I don't know it. It's very well made and it's outstanding. It's the kind of movie I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. I also enjoyed Star Trek Into Darkness. Oblivion. I had American Hustle on mine as well. And Nebraska is another one of those that I mentioned as well. Black and white movie, but very worthwhile. So that was 2013 in a nutshell. Well, I had so much fun here with these guys. What are we going to do next week? Can somebody help me pick a movie for next week? That's right. We have three biopics for next week, each of these based on some inspiring individuals. Let's look at option number one, The Buddy Holly Story from 1978. The story of the life and career of the early rock and roll singer from his meteoric rise to stardom to his marriage and untimely death. Option number two, Moneyball, 2011, made some of ours best of 2011's list. Oakland A's general manager Billy Bean's successful attempt to assemble a baseball team on a lean budget by employing computer-generated analysis to acquire new players. Or option number three, Breaker Morant from 1980. Three Australian lieutenants are court-martialed for executing prisoners as a way of deflecting attention from war crimes committed by their superior officers. What's it going to be? Well, Transformers wasn't much of a Veterans Day Special, so let's do a military one and one I haven't seen that I would like to, Breaker Morant. Yeah, I'm glad you picked that. Thank you, Dustin, Lizzie, Brian, and Chad. This was a blast. This is one of my favorite shows to do in the entire year. A lot of fun. And I had a blast doing it with you guys. Always. Lizzie is trooping here. She's on jet lag from time zones getting off of a plane, so she's about to fall asleep. I'm very sleepy. I haven't gone to bed yet. She's about to fall asleep on her microphone now. As always, thank you all the Lord's Days and Nights of the Retro Movie Review Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. So subscribe, rate, and review to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe on our YouTube channel. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow on us on Instagram and Twitter at, at movie underscore retro. Email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. And producing and providing this podcast is fun but not free. So we invite you to support the show at our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash retromovieroundtable. All contributions are much appreciated and go towards making the show better for you, the listener. As always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Brian? Clear skies with a chance of satellite debris.